is up for Reelers. Coming at you up, from, from LA, still in quarantine, this mm-hmm. is For Real. Real. As you know, I'm Tyler. And I'm Greg. How are you doing, Greg? It's, it's, been, a, it's been a few. I'm in a chipper mood, bro. Like, I can't, even, I can't even explain how happy I am right now. And I just felt like from the moment that Tyler was like, let's go and record this thing, I was like, yes. I get to share that with you guys. I, uh, I missed you guys. I missed you, Tyler. I haven't seen you in over two months. Physically, I haven't seen you in two months. <laughs> it's, it's been crazy to think that we're almost in June, and I've, outside of taking the dog out, I've been in this apartment pretty I know. much my, my whole entire day. It's, it, it's, it's become a weird new norm that I'm kind of scared that I'm kind of enjoying. <laughs> kind <laughs> of not. Like it, yeah. it has its ups and downs. It's going to be interesting when I have to go back to work. I know it's it's definitely it's definitely something that I'm now not looking forward to because now my days are scheduled around working on passion projects, working on myself, working at my own time at my own pace, and not really have to worry about what other people are doing or what other people's timetables are. So I'm enjoying it for that. So to get back on somebody else's timetable, not saying I don't want my job back, but it's just going to be a hard adjustment. <laughs> to get back there. I hope y'all, y'all realize I love the work. You know what I'm saying? No vibe. You know? I can't wait. I can't wait to get back at, out into the world, but I'm not as anxious as I was before where I was like, Oh, I need to be out there. Now I'm, I'm I've created this kind of like mini ecosystem for myself and it's enjoyable. But guys, that being said, with all the social distancing and whatnot, we don't want to distance ourselves from you. And that's why we're back primed up better than ever. Tyler, we got a full show today for him. We do, we do. And before we proceed, I just want to do a quick check-in on your movie count for the year. Um, I am at 25. Nice. You're, you're, you're pretty far along. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I am at lady- 70, I'm at 74. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yeah, there's, you see, there's no way that, you know, you and I could ever keep up. Well, I could never keep <laughs> up with you, Tyler, when it comes to watching film. But I am proud of myself because I did. I mean, like, I was, I was a little bit, like, apprehensive to spend the money at first. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to go watch Scoob when it came out, as soon as it came out, hot and fresh. And then I also saw, um, actually, no, it was 26 because we watched Lovebirds together on Netflix. The we other did. Night. So 26 movies for the year so far. So I watched... I watched Scoob and I watched Trolls World Tour. Those were those are my newer editions. Saw them both in the same day. Ooh. Saw Trolls twice. By by choice? Uh no. No. The, okay. The, the choice wasn't mine. So gotcha. saw Trolls a total <laughs> of three times. Once once was by choice. The other two times was, you know, you gotta do yeah. what you gotta do. Kids, man, what can I say? They they have you doing the craziest things and kids themselves do the craziest things. So on our first for real story of the day. I read this up just this morning, as a matter of fact. Whoever wanted to be Spider-Man or Superman or any type of I, superhero. I know I did. You know, yeah, I got the I, I thought it was a career. That, me too, right? And um, you know, in these stories, these these heroes, they're either born into it, but Spider-Man was one of those guys that, that got his superpowers. Unfortunately, a couple of fans out in Bolivia, and this story is coming from Cinema Blend. Um, read this story this morning. Three boys um, in Bolivia, ranging from the ages of 8 to 12, went out into the forest and provoked a black widow spider to bite them in order to get 
the superhuman powers. Now the boys are okay. The poison, the venom from from a black widow spider affects the nervous system, but their mom found them, took them to to the hospital, and had them okay, okayed after after a while. I mean, like I thought that this would have been something that that we did way back in the day. But kids are kids. They're curious. They see something. They're like, "Ooh, this was possible for him. This is definitely going to be possible for me." They don't know the difference just yet. They're still learning in this world. So, you know, a little message from for real to you guys out there. Don't do this at home. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't anyway. I am I'm the first one to run away from a spider, especially a uh, Black Widow spider. Uh, this would not have been me. Although right. I, I, I think I know what they did wrong. Because mm. I, I actually did try, uh, not try this a couple of years ago. I didn't do it like intentionally, but a couple of years okay. ago, I was, I was bitten by a uh, spider and decided to play the song Radioactive by Imagine Dragons on repeat <laughs> and hope that that would speed up the process. So maybe there's, they, they, they're just missing like a key, a key part. It didn't work. I'm not Spider-Man. No, but I, I mean, if you were, would you tell anyone? I mean, probably because I don't like spiders and I don't like heights. So I'd be like the most worthless Spider-Man ever. I'd be like, pass the powers over here, bro. Uh, <laughs> but no. uh, but, but seriously, yeah, every, back guys, to the point. Don't stay safe. This up. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I mean, like, and for the parents out there, like, you know, taking care of kids is hard enough as it is. Some authentic, like, son, I know that you, you're enjoying this right here. This is, this is make-believe, all right? This is make-believe. This is real life. You get bitten by a spider in real life, more than likely you go night night. Don't get don't get bitten by a spider on especially on purpose. Like if a spider bites <laughs> you, come tell mommy, come tell daddy, for all the kids that listen to the show. Don't dump yourself in some radioactive waste to become like don't don't do that kind of stuff. Like just just leave all that alone. It's not it's not real life. Enjoy what it is on 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 the show and be like, yeah, let's say dress up like Spider Man. You know, and embody if for parents if you want. Tell your kids to embody the the personalities or the the ethics and the morals of some of these characters, not not the actual powers. They don't need that. They could be superheroes in their own way. Very very true. Mm-hmm. So so for our next story, a couple more uh, movies either shifting studios or having their release pushed. The big one for me is uh, Edgar Wright's follow up to Baby Driver. Uh, Last Night in Soho has now been pushed to April twenty twenty one. And another one from your favorite studio, Greg, The Green Knight, has been pushed. No release date. No word whether they're going to release it on VOD or not. And for the uh, film that switched studios, one of Greg's more anticipated movies than mine, Greyhound, starring Tom Hanks, is now on Apple Plus. So I don't have that. So I'm really not going to go out of my way and see this movie. It will be missed by me until it turns up elsewhere. I actually thought that uh, the Green Knight was going to be released on Netflix. It felt like a Netflix, like a Netflix movie. I mean, who knows? I think A twenty four definitely is about the theatrical. It's why they push Saint Maud as well. They're just waiting for theaters to open back up. They did the same thing with First Cow, which did come out in theaters uh, before the pandemic, but they pulled it. And instead of releasing it on online, like a lot of other movies are doing they're just going to re-release it in theaters once those open back up so that more people can see it in the theater. So A24 mm. definitely, I, I don't see them going to streaming, but you never know. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. 
Greyhound seems like a weird one to go to straight to straight to the stream. Just in terms of the scope and the action, and regardless of my feelings about it, it, that that one is kind of an interesting move. I mean, uh, again, like you you'll see you'll see a lot more of this uh, back and forth debate as to whether things should go straight to VOD or not. Studios might not be strapped for cash, so like A twenty four might be like, you know what we. We could hold out and just have like some of our other product out there to be rented and just survive on that for right now. We'll see. We'll see how it goes in the real world. They're talking about, you know, this pandemic being here for a long time. There are a lot of articles out there unsure about the industry of the theater business. We don't know how that's going to pan out. If it's one thing that we could be sure about is that these studios do have people that are under them, that they have, that they've hired to do the work in terms of trying to guesstimate when things will be back up and normal and running and when they can make a profit off of this. So we'll see. Everyone's hand has been twisted so far. I was up on Box Office Mojo yesterday. Was shocked at the the limited amount of releases that have been out for the year. So from, from the moment of pandemic in March to now, you know, Box Office Mojo has a plethora of information usually and now it's pennies well, so to speak n- nobody knows nobody, nobody knows. knows really the only thing that's going on right now are drive-ins which uh which i you did went take to advantage. the other day yeah went and saw knives out at the drive-in mm-hmm. it was fun it was cool it definitely felt like i was back at the theater and they were taking precautions and and all of that only a certain amount of people were allowed in the concessions area at one time they had people six feet apart in line it was it was a fun experience i was about to ask that i was like did you go to the concession stand i did it's all good yeah still alive thank goodness but speaking about the world changing and things happening netflix hasn't missed a beat and this next story is kind of like to prove that who went out barbecuing yesterday I'm sure a lot of people did. I saw a lot of people in uh, in the Echo Park area. I saw a lot of people down in Santa Monica having a good time on the beach. We're in phase two, so some people are taking advantage of that. Still not flooded with the amount of people still practicing social distancing on those levels. But Netflix has not missed a beat, and neither has Spike Lee with his new joint dropping on June 12th. But the new poster came out on for movie entitled The Five Bloods. Starring Chadwick Brosman, dropped this Memorial Day preceding, like I said, the June 12th release date. Netflix has been putting in work since the pandemic and even before that. Uh, last year, if you guys remember, a lot of our episodes were about the battle between them and Disney Plus. Me personally, kind of want to leave my Disney Plus account because I don't watch it no more. I don't know how you feel about that, Ty. Uh, um, I use um, it occasionally. It's it's good to catch up on some of those movies. I, you, you're right. You're right on some of those movies, but like I've been looking at alternatives to that, and we'll we'll get we'll get to that in another episode. That's a whole nother game. <laughs> um, but then also yesterday, Netflix dropped brand new trailer for The Old Guard, starring Charlie Theron. You know that Charlie <laughs> and. Female director, directed by Gina Prince. Bythewood. I can't wait to watch this movie, Tyler. How do you feel about this trailer drop? And the Spike uh, League joint? I think uh, The Five Bloods looks very interesting. I, I feel like they're they're kind of telling you what the plot is, and they're kind of not. I'll be interested to see how it plays with the uh, the past and the present. It seems like they're all kind of going to converge at one point mm-hmm. uh, with the older 
troops and the, the when they were serving. Spike Lee is hit or miss for me, so it, it'll be very interesting to see if he uh, can ma- maintain what he did with uh, Black Klansman, which I uh, like quite a bit. Uh, for Old Guard, uh, I think Charlize Theron is awesome. She picks really good roles. I actually just watched uh, Atomic Blonde the other day, just solely for her for her uh, action scenes and the physicality that she brings to them. So I, I think it'll be good. Plus, you know, Mad Max, Furiosa, you know, she can handle herself in action scenes. And this mm. one looks fun. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it. So I know you were saying uh, you were looking for alternative to uh, Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. During this uh, pandemic, I have signed up for HBO Max. So I ah. have that. Of H- Speaking of HBO Max, the much disputed, hailed, whatever you want to call it, Snyder Cut of Justice League has finally been willed into existence by the internet. Uh, <laughs> it will be being released on HBO Max with HBO spending $30 million plus, depending on what report you read. It'll mm-hmm. be a lot more than $30 million to finish posts on the film. They're not going to do any reshoots. And uh, according to Warner Brothers, it will not affect the DCEU at all. Uh, I've also heard that it's either going to be released as either one long film or in six episodes or an episodic. Uh, so where why this is newsworthy to me is because this is different than a director's cut of a film, which usually gets released once it's been put out on uh, DVD or Blu-ray, which this also is. But instead of being a whole new film like the Snyder Cut is going to be. It's anywhere from two to five to seven minutes of footage that had been cut that the director wanted to put back in and now has been able to now that it's on DVD or Blu-ray. But the Snyder Cut, it promises to really be a whole new experience. And I'm just curious what this is actually going to do because, the, like I said, director's cuts are not uncommon. I see a lot of them. Ridley Scott has about eight of them for his original Blade Runner. He, he's never done tinkering with that movie. Mm-hmm. But since this has been announced, David Ayer, who directed Suicide Squad, wants to release his cut of it. And uh, Paul Feig, who directed Ghostbusters back in 2016, says that he has a three-and-a-half-hour cut of that movie that he would love to release as well. It's a very interesting precedent that this could set. It's kind of dangerous too, because as we were talking about pre-show, you were saying that everyone seems to be trying to take power from from everyone else. That's what it looks like. Are we going to see a bunch of directors now coming out and saying like, no, the studio took away my cut. I want to do Final Cut, HBO pay for this or Netflix pay for this or mm-hmm. whatever it ends up being. What 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 do you see in, in, in your crystal ball? Ultimately, I think that it could be a win-win-win situation because if you think about it as a business person, you just made a cut of a movie that people are saying, bomb, let's take Suicide Squad, for example. The studio will always have the rights for Suicide Squad, but now you get to appease David who's going to go out and be like, I could do it better than what you just approved. And he's going to go out and make his own product. He's going to sell his version to say like a Netflix or an Amazon or whoever. The only issue is, or I I figured the only situation that I'm seeing right now, and it's something that I have to think about a little bit more where it could be very, very dangerous is at the end of the day, when Netflix or HBO or one of these guys decides to drop it, 
who's that money going to? And that's that's the main that's the main issue that I'm seeing. It's like if you if you're able if if Netflix picks this up, they say let's drop let's sink twenty million into your director's your director's version of you know Suicide Squad. Is Warner Brothers receiving the full money once that hits on Netflix? If you put it on Amazon and you have it, uh, you rent the series for like say thirty bucks or whatnot. Say it's like a six hours in total, and it's like a three-parter, four-parter, or whatever the case might be. You drop that on Amazon and you rent that out. Is Amazon getting that money? Is Warner Brothers getting? Who's what's the rights going to? Like I don't know how that that side of things might work, but I do see a possibility where it could work out. Which is the only reason why something like the the Snyder cuts could be released on HBO Max. Studio already owns HBO. The the money is retained anyway. Snyder gets what he wants. The internet obviously pressed hard enough. And uh, in most cases, especially when it comes to appeasing the internet gods, it usually gets done. We saw that with, uh, with Deadpool, um, which made Fox a whole bunch of money. The only thing that I see is, is that directors are now going to be like, you know what? Let's forget about going to the studio completely because they're not going to give me what I want. I want Final Cut. And people like Netflix especially, and I have to put them out there, Netflix is willing to take that risk. We saw that with The Irishman. They're willing to take that risk with directors and be like, hey, we got the cash. We want the content because they realize that content is king. And if we give these guys an opportunity to put their best out, then you're going to see a lot of these studios stop getting pitches. And it could be a bad deal for the studios ultimately. But let's see how it goes. I don't know how many, I mean, directors have a lot of power in this town. We'll see how it goes. It's interesting too, because this, is, this isn't the first time that Warner Brothers has done this to Zack Snyder where they cut his film up. And for those of you who don't know, uh, during Justice League, Zack Snyder ended up leaving the project uh, due to a family tragedy. Joss Whedon came in, rewrote the script, reshot a good portion of the movie, and the movie was released as kind of like this Frankenstein cut of both Snyder's and Joss Whedon's visions that didn't really mesh and was very confusing and left a lot of people unsatisfied. Yeah. So... The internet has believed that there is a Snyder Cut out there, completed, which it turns out it's not. Mm -hmm. Hence the $30 million plus that, that HBO is going to spend. But they've, they've been clamoring for this to be released for so Snyder can have his vision. And this happened with Batman v Superman, mm -hmm. uh, where they did release the ultimate cut where he got to put some scenes back in. I think it was about three and a half hours long. It's a it was already a long movie to begin with, but yeah. uh, his footage was put back in. But the difference was it was marketed by Warner Brothers. Like they actually did it. It's advertised on, on the Blu-ray. I have it. The movie was done. So they didn't really have to do much. They just had to put it back in. Right. This is a, this is a completely new thing. And we're going to have a completely new movie, TV, limited series, whatever it ends up being. It's going to be something completely new we've seen the internet and fandom be pretty toxic with star Wars and all of that. Mm -hmm. The, the internet has been winning a lot lately and that kind of bothers me yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, outside of that, like the, the internet willed Snyder cut to happen. The internet willed uh, lots of changes to rise of Skywalker. If, if you've read descriptions of what Colin Trevorrow's script was going to be, it sounds like a, an infinitely better movie. Than, than what we ended up getting, a more satisfying movie than what we right. ended up getting. 
but the internet complained about Last Jedi. They complained about Ryan Johnson. They complained about Rose. And then you saw a lot of those things get changed in the last movie that mm-hmm. didn't need to be changed, in my yeah. opinion. So I, I think, and and it's it's kind of like it's kind of like giving the spoiled kid whatever they want, right? You know, they want they want candy, so you give them candy. They want uh, they don't want to go to sleep, so you don't let them go to sleep. They want to watch TV all day, so you let them watch TV all day. At the end of the day, the result of of all of that pandering to is an unfit kid who be- becomes an unfit human being. Now that analogy is so far removed from from this but you could see exactly what happens when you when you do that and the internet is now the internet is us let's let's be real about it right we 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 contribute to it in some form or fashion right but i think that what i would like to see is some of these studios like hold fast and be like listen we're gonna we're gonna trust in the director have the directors back because they have a vision that they want to put out instead of being so money driven or so results driven. Now you have to have that balance. If you're too results driven, that's how you're going to have like the, the Star Wars saga, the way that it was. Instead of something like the Mandalorian, which was basically held a secret up until almost the release date. And they dropped the first episode as their, as their premiere. People enjoyed that series. They, a they lot let them, better than they enjoyed Rise of Skywalker. Correct. So they let, they let them do what, what they let them do what they had to do and then present it to the to the public and say, all right, eat this. Here's your broccoli, kids. Eat that. But then again, we have had positives come out of, of the internet saying something and then the studios reacting. And we saw it in Sonic the Hedgehog. Now, we all saw the when they dropped the early trailer and Sonic looked like, you know, something out of a, a horror uh, movie. And they had to, to, you know, splash him up a little bit with some more cartoony goodness. So it's, it's, it's both good and bad. We'll see how it goes down. I'm obviously going to watch it when it comes out next year, whenever they finish it, because I just want to see what it ends up being. I, I, I hope everybody that asked for this is, ends up happy. I hope so, too. And, and it kind of it goes into my next conversation. So when I, when I started reading that Zack Snyder uh, post today, guys, I started thinking, I was like, well, there was, there was actually an article uh, about the origins of the Man of Steel Superman suit. I remember exactly where I was when I saw this movie back in 2013. I was with my boys. I think it was the very last time that uh, that I was in Trinidad, where I, where I'm originally from. I was with my boys, and we were all excited to go watch this movie. After the movie, years later, I came, you know, stateside. And a lot of people are bashing this movie. They say, this movie was trash. This movie was garbage. I much disagree. 100%. And that's where I said that Man of Steel, to me, is the most underrated film of the decade. Many of you guys are going to disagree with me still from the altered storyline of Clark Kent from seeing him as just a newborn and having Russell Crowe as the dad, and having all this political drama on on Krypton, to you know, artificially developed Kryptonians, to him sending out with the Codex and all this good stuff, and you gotta see it as like, dude, like, and then Zack Snyder brings in this beautiful color palette that paints this whole picture for us and paints this new Superman idea for us with a few blemishes because we're all human, we make mistakes. 
But to me, this was like the best Superman movie that I've ever seen to date. It's better than Batman versus Superman, better than Justice League, better than all the ones that came after, better than the ones that came before Superman Returns. I think that this was the, the absolute best Superman movie that was ever made. And it just completely got destroyed by the critics when it was released. Am I wrong? Maybe. Am I right? Maybe. That's all up for opinion. However, it did ding off an idea in my head and kind of inspired me to ask the film guru himself, Mr. Harlow over there, to come up with a list of his top 10 most underrated movies of the last decade. That's 2010 to 2019. And he chipped in a little 2020 underrated film in the mix as well. So without further ado, I hand you over to Tyler. What up, son? I will say, at least you uh, gave me a couple hours before we started recording to come up with the list instead of hitting me uh, right on the spot. You still <laughs> do love torturing me because uh, this, this was very difficult to do. Short time period or not, I had to, I had to make, some, uh, make some decisions. So not only do I have a top 10, I do have five honorable mention because I, I can't couldn't stop at 10. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't hold it in. So this is this is in no particular order. 2012, we have Haywire, which was a uh, Steven Soderbergh film starring Gina Carano, as well as a uh, pretty top-notch cast. Had Channing Tatum, Michael Fassbender, uh, Antonio Banderas. Didn't really take off with people, kind of a, a box office flop, but it's, it's more of a deconstruction of an action film. Uh, it does have some action, but like I said, it's more of a deconstruction. I think the people who went in expecting one thing got another thing and kind of word of mouth killed that. We also have Trance, uh, directed by Danny Boyle. It's a twisty little thriller. Uh, also has Rosario Dawson and a pretty awesome turn by James McAvoy. Don't want to spoil too much, but it's definitely a, uh, a mind bender. Uh, we have Blue Ruin, Jeremy Saulnier's uh, debut. He went on to direct Green Room. It's a very, very small, intense backwoods thriller with a lead performance by Macon Blair. You guys don't know that name, but uh, he could be a star if he wanted to. Uh, this should have launched him into stardom. He's, he's very, very good. Uh, but it could have been his choice to, to kind of lay back and be more of a writer, director, which he has done since then. Uh, we have All Is Lost, which was directed by J.C. Chondor, who also did Margin Call, Most Violent Year, and Netflix's Triple Frontier. It's uh, Robert Redford. He's the only actor in the movie because it's about a man who's lost at sea trying to be rescued. He's literally amazing in this movie. It's one of my favorite uh, Redford performances. He has to do a lot of emotion and uh, acting through his facial expressions. This was released the same year as Gravity, which that I think overshot. Yeah, which I which I think uh, kind of overshadowed it, but the, this was definitely uh, a movie I think that is very very underrated. Then we have last year's uh, Escape Room. Uh, this might surprise a lot of people. It's it's kind of head scratching if if you know me. I wasn't really expecting to like this, and I ended up having a lot of fun. Uh, it's a movie that I've actually revisited more than some movies that I truly, truly push out and like. It's just a lot of fun. I, I, I rolled with it. Uh, it set up a potentially interesting universe. And uh, there's a sequel supposedly coming out next year. It, oh, it's wow. shot, but we, but we don't know how the state of the world's going to be. Everything right. is getting pushed, so I don't know when we're going to get to see that. But there is a sequel. Time we enter my top, top 10. Yeah, we're going to enter my top 10. 
I, I ended up numbering them, but uh, I almost want to say don't don't listen to where where they're ranked. Uh, but the, these are ten movies that I think are very very underrated. I thought it was hard to do a top ten of the year, and to do a top ten underrated for a decade is just. I think it's a fair listing. I think that the the rankings were accurate. Although I think S- save your comments till after I'm done, sir. All right. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm going to stay on the background. Tyler, this is your time to shine, sir. Show us top 10. Number 10. We have Blockers, which came out in 2018. Uh, for me, this is the second funniest movie of the decade. There's actually a tie for the funniest. Uh, the movie did come out. The other movie, we'll, we'll get to that anyway. So Blockers 2018, second funniest mo- movie of the decade. Uh, incredibly sympathetic performances from everyone involved. Uh, and it also had a refreshingly honest and uh, sex positive take for these kind of like teen comedies. Like usually it's like about how sex is a bad thing, especially involving women. And this movie goes out of its way to paint it in a very, very positive and endearing light. I liked it. I thought yeah, it was great. It's, I, I, it's, put it, I put it there. I, I would admit like, you know, box office wise and word of mouth wise, I, I don't think that this got enough respect that it deserves. I enjoyed this one. I enjoyed this one. And I, I, one of the movies that I did see 2018. <laughs> Proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Up next, Go we ahead. got number nine. We have The Gift, which came out in 2015, which is written and directed by, as well as co-starring Joel Edgerton. It's a deviously clever and well-acted little thriller. It actually uh, was the first movie for the production company STX, uh, it also starred yeah. uh, Rebecca Hall and Jason Bateman. Uh, don't want to say too much, but it's a uh, it's a very very fun, thrilling ride if you're willing to go on the journey that it's presenting. It gets it gets it gets pretty dark, but uh, it it is very very well done. So I'm just letting you guys know, Tyler has had me watch all the trailers for these movies. But I swear on myself that I saw this movie. After I watched the trailer, I realized I did not. And after watching the trailer, I'm going to say I'm going to watch this movie. This one is a must-see. Like, you you have to watch this movie. On to number eight. Number eight is going to be 2011's Hannah. I actually forgot that this was 2011, which was a uh, fun exercise to kind of see when these movies came out. I thought this came out in the... uh, in the 2000s, not the 2010s. First off, this movie has an incredible soundtrack, uh, a great lead performance from uh, Saoirse Ronan and Eric Bana. Kate uh, Blanchett plays a great villain, and it's a well-done, character-driven action film. I, I don't even, I don't even have much to say on that one. I mean, like, I remember, I did not. So after I, I didn't watch this movie. I, I still don't think I'm gonna watch this movie. Um, you should. I think, I think that I was one of the guys who was like. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch this. This looks like this looks like garbage. And Tyler, you are challenging me to uh, remove myself from my preconceived notions and go watch the film. But I didn't know that Sersha was in this. I had no idea. I, it spiked my interest. I was like, hmm. This was like one of the earlier uh, bodies of work that she has. Correct? Yeah, yeah. it was. All right, I, I'll watch that. I mean, I, I, you know, yeah, I, yeah, you know, yeah. Watch, watch it, <laughs> watch it, and come back. I think you'll end up enjoying it. It's uh, I didn't mention this before, but it it is kind of fairy tale ish. It's like a dark fairy tale. Yeah, I, I think give it a shot. 
You know what, Tyler? You you convinced me, bro. I'm, I just might do that. One that I definitely have to watch is number seven. Uh, number seven, we have uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh, this movie was released in 2017. I wasn't expecting to like this movie as much as I did. Uh, the director, Yorgos Lanthimos, uh, did The Lobster uh, about a year before that. And I am not a big fan of that movie. Uh, but I liked the cast and I was intrigued by the premise. Uh, after this, he did go on to do The Favorite, which was a big Oscar movie a couple years ago. This movie's disturbing. It's twisted. And it, Colin Farrell's amazing. It, I think this movie kind of started my, uh, my push towards him becoming one of my favorite act, actors currently working. Uh, just be prepared. It's, it's very dark and you will be uncomfortable during this movie. <laughs> oh, no. You know, I hate those. You know, I hate those. That's the only reason why I haven't watched The Lighthouse yet. That's the only oh, you need reason to why watch I that too. I know. I just, but it's the only reason why I haven't watched it. It's on, it's on, it's watching me on Amazon right now. It's looking <laughs> at me. It's saying, Greg, watch me. And I'm like, I'm scared. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. You should. You should. I want to. <laughs> Embrace it, Greg. <laughs> Embrace it. <laughs> I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I know one movie that's not going to make me feel uncomfortable, but I still don't feel like I want to go see it. But that is number six. That would be the kid who would be king. Uh, it comes from director Joe Cornish. Uh, this came out last year. Joe Cornish did the fantastic Attack the Block, the movie that launched John Boyega. It was the independent British sci-fi movie. Seriously, check it out. It's very Edgar Wright-ish. Back to this movie, The Kid Who Would Be King. It's a lot of fun. It's a funny take involving kids and King Arthur. Uh, Patrick Stewart plays uh, grown-up Merlin. It's just, it's very cheeky. It's very fun. And I feel like this should have been a runaway hit and nobody went to go see it. I think I might let the, the kid watch this. If you say that it's as much fun as it is, I know, I know that, yeah, I, I was definitely one of those that was like, this might barely break $10 million. I mean, you I were right. Remember. It didn't make a lot of money. Yeah, it, it didn't make a it lot of money. It did better than that, but it, it you know. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's, that was my thought process. And I, I was like, who's going to watch another King Arthur uh, run at it? But you know what? You say, you say you know, it's kid's film. I'm going to go watch this kid's film. I'm, a, I'm enjoying a lot of kid's films lately. But I can tell you what was a lot of fun. And I actually saw this one back in 2014. <laughs> but we had two. Are fun filled number five. Uh, so, as Greg said, 2014's Inherent Vice. I, I get a lot of flack for uh, my, my feelings about uh, Paul Thomas Anderson or PTA as he is lovingly referred to among the <laughs> film community. I think this is, this is probably my favorite film of his outside of Phantom Thread. And I am not a fan of his more regarded movies like The Master, There Will Be Blood. Um, I do like Boogie Nights. The, this one to me, it's just, it's hilarious. <laughs> this movie it's is lovely. flat out hilarious. Joaquin Phoenix is great in this, mm -hmm. uh, as is Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro as supporting characters. And it, so it's leisurely paced. It's a stoner mystery. A lot of it doesn't even really make sense in the end when you really think about it. <laughs> but I just had so much fun with this movie that I didn't have with some of his other movies. And the, like I said, I, I, I don't like his more well-regarded movies. This is probably my favorite movie of his. And I think that this doesn't get enough love. 
I also want to bring into the wordplay used in this movie, even down to the the cuts on the trailer were was just so well done. I, I, I enjoyed this movie a lot. And this was one of those movies where I thought I saw it and I actually did. Uh, and I enjoyed it. I, yay. I enjoyed I enjoyed I enjoyed this movie. This this was a really fun one. And I suggested you guys go watch this just like our number four. Number four, American Animals. Uh, this came out in 2018. It's filmed really cool. It's part documentary, part reenactment with actors um, led by Evan Peters, who's fantastic. But the the style and the story are just so thrilling. And it's one of those things you're either going to be infuriated by it or you're going to love it because the stories kind of start not lining up and they all remember things differently to, as the movie goes on. And there's some things you never find out if they were true or not. Like the, one of the characters actually looks at the camera and he's like, I guess you'll just have to believe me. Like it, it's one of those type of movies, but it's, it's so gripping. It's so involving it. I, I, people talk about movies transporting you and this movie transported me. I, I know what, what will transport you. What's number that? three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so number three, we have enemy came out in 2014. This project came after Denis Villeneuve did Prisoners the year before with Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman. Uh, he would then go on to do Sicario, Arrival, and Blade Runner 2049. For Enemy, Jake Gyllenhaal uh, returned, reunited with uh, the director in a dual role. I, I don't want to say too much about why I like this. It's just, it's very twisty. The There are a lot of questions that are fun deciphering once the movie's over because you start right. questioning well was this real or what what part of this actually happened where in the timeline did this fall there, there's a lot of interesting questions and uh greatly greatly enjoyed this movie this was actually the movie that uh as good as he was in prisoners this is the movie that got me really into jake gyllenhaal like colin farrell becoming one of my favorite actors Mm. to watch uh, i think after this uh jake gyllenhaal did nightcrawler which i think is one of my favorite performances ever in a movie so I see enemy see nightcrawler uh i think i didn't want to I take think, up too much of this list that's fine <laughs> i think i think nightcrawler was really good i haven't seen this one so it's definitely on my to-do list right now and to do what we gotta do we have to go to number two number two is blind spotting uh, American Animals and Blind Spotting were actually my two favorite movies of 2018. Again, another movie that transported me into this world. It's a unique and original dramedy written by David Diggs and Raphael Casal. It's got fantastic social commentary, and I think Raphael Casal actually should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor for the movie. He's really, really good, and you really believe their relationship. And I guarantee you, you've never really seen anything like this movie it blend like i said it blends social commentary with music fantastic acting and the finale just it's one of the most intense things i've seen in a very very long time i'm probably gonna watch that one just the way that i watched number one well you actually watched number one with me that's right um that would be pop star never stop never stopping that's right <laughs> came out in 2016 lonely island just butchers the music industry yes the 
the the shots fired at Macklemore in this movie are just beautiful. <laughs> and as funny as it is, it's also got heart. You you believe the chemistry between these three characters, which makes the the ending kind of really stick harder than movies like this actually usually do. And it's it's so the movie is done in a mockumentary format very similar to this is spinal tap and i think that this is right up there next to that in terms of these types of movies this is the funniest movie of the decade to me which is actually tied now that i'm going to bring this back tied with a movie that i wanted to put on this list but didn't uh, because it has gotten a little bit more of a cult following and it isn't underrated anymore it's a movie that christopher nolan has come out and said that he loves and that would be MacGruber. I would put hmm. Popstar and MacGruber side by side, even though even though they're both different. Two of the funniest movies I've seen in a long time. But I, again, for this list, I think Popstar is a little bit more lesser known, which is a shame. People need to go see this movie. It's very very funny, especially if you love music. So many shots fired. <laughs> Greg, you were you were watching Man of Steel before this. I was watching Popstar before this, and I was laughing at the whole thing. Oh man, I can't wait! I can't wait to go back and watch that one as well. Uh, but that's what you got, guys. That's your top ten. But Tyler, Tyler is such such a genius. He's <laughs> such a such a genius when it comes to to film, guys. I, like Tyler, I don't tell you how much I appreciate you. Oh, at any any time, I don't tell you I appreciate you at all. But I appreciate you, son. Um, and Thanks, it's funny. I appreciate you too. Yeah. And in the <laughs> five months that we've been rolling around on this planet, there is an underrated movie of 2020 already that Tyler has identified, and that is Underwater. I I got it queued up on on Amazon. I'm gonna watch this right after the show. <laughs> Again, another movie I wasn't expecting to like. Um, I know. I'm, I'm I'm gonna put you on blast a, a little bit, Greg. Oh, um, the, this was part of a movie day that we had planned. We did. And, uh, I was gonna go. We were gonna go see it together, and we were. Uh, Greg Greg kind of bailed on me, and I, I stayed did. to end up. I, I stayed to watch it. Look, it's it, it's not perfect. I, I'm not saying that. And it, the, you know, you know what's funny about that too. This was you know not only not only did I blow you off that day, and I can't remember why but I blew you off on a movie that I wanted to see and you saw yeah, it. I, was, I haven't I, seen it. I, I went to this movie for you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and now it's on the top 10. Well, it's not the top 10, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an underrated film of 2020. Is it the underrated film of 2020 so far? Do you think? I would say so far. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there, there are lots of movies that I've watched VOD that I think are really good, but they would not have gotten a theatrical release anyway, I don't think. I think right, they were right. always planned for VOD, which before I start going into Underwater, check out VOD. There's lots of really, really cool stuff on there. Uh, this was even before the pandemic. There, there's lots of cool little uh, hidden gems that you can catch. Uh, looking on iTunes and things like that. Yeah, I've I've found a couple movies that I that I've greatly enjoyed for this year on iTunes VOD. But uh, underwater, so the first hour is very very intense. I I, I don't enjoy underwater things. It makes right. me easy. So maybe maybe that that uh, helped. Which is why you didn't want to watch Crawl. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. still will not. 
<laughs> um, but uh, the first hour is very intense, and there there ends up being a uh, a Lovecraftian background to all the things that are happening that I found very very interesting. Honestly, Kristen Stewart's great in the movie. I don't understand why people hate on her so much. She's a very talented actress. Very outside talented. outside of Twilight, both she and Robert Pattinson knew that they were taking paychecks with that movie and mm-hmm. didn't try. Get nope. over it, people. <laughs> Plus, they, they, now they're able to finance all the things that they want to do. Um, we just saw the new Tenet uh, trailer drop. I know I'm plugging in a lot of stuff, but the show's coming to an end, and I know that we, we love to be here. <laughs> I, we, we love to be here with you guys. But uh, Tyler did mention that you should check out VOD more often. I think that Tyler knows of a place where you could get great reviews from a great person who is watching all these movies, watched 200 films last year, 300 films a year before. He's already on 70 films for the year. We're not even on, on, on month number six in, two, in 2020. Tyler, tell them where they could go watch some of these reviews so they could choose with more information as so you know, the movies that they could possibly see that they're missing out on. Oh, yeah. So you can check out my uh, movie review website. It's uh, afterthecreditsblog.com. That's right. Uh, I, I say blog uh, in that with a little bit of malice because there is somebody who owns afterthecredits.com and it hasn't been used for over five years. It's just sitting there. So they bought the URL and are doing nothing with it. So I had to put blog in the title. <laughs> so... That would be afterthecreditsblog.com. Check uh, it on out, tu- guys. On Tuesdays and Fridays, I try to uh, catch new things. I'm actually up to date with some of the stuff that I miss in the theaters. I'm not doing reviews of those, but all the new things that are coming out usually on Fridays, I do do reviews of. Uh, check it out. And honestly, I love talking about movies. So if you want to uh, to uh, ask me questions or uh, talk about the movies, I'm there. I think I think that this is going to inspire me to have a lot more uh, good ideas to talk movies. Tyler, unfortunately, we are out of time. We're way over time on this one. <laughs> but guys, we love you so much. This has been phenomenal. I, I could I could be on this forever, honestly. But we're gonna have we're gonna create more opportunities to be with you guys a little bit more often. Um, of course, life gets in the way, but we're gonna make life with you today and every other day that we can. And that has been for real.